0: well good morning church family uh guest my name is brandon i'm our community next steps pastor i'm so glad that you're here i mean you literally could have went anywhere else this morning but you chose to be with us so thank you so much and welcome to national take a nap this afternoon day right i i can guarantee you i'm gonna go home and take a nap this afternoon right uh so, but welcome. We are in a teaching series called Dangerous A Church Unleashed. And Pastor Ryan just kind of laid down the groundwork last week. And so if you missed that, I can't encourage you enough to head over to the website. And under the media section, theradiantlife.church, and then under media, and and catch that up on that because he went to Ezekiel 47 and kind of laid down all of the groundwork for this whole teaching series. And, and like, that's the foundation that this whole teaching series is going to be uh, built on. And, man, I'm one of the staff members, and I was just, God just used that message last week to just really encourage me. Um, and to challenge me as well. And so I can't encourage you enough to, to head over there. Uh, but we're, I'm going to go back to a couple of the verses that he shared. Actually, one of them was in that video there. But uh, if you have the U Version Bible app, head over there. There should be a live event right now happening in there. But I want to go to Ezekiel 47, verse 1. Ezekiel was a prophet that God used. He's just a mouthpiece of God. Uh, God gave him a vision, and that's what we're going to read about here, starting at verse 1. And it says, In my vision, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. There I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple and passing to the right of the altar on its south side. And so the the temple represented the church and basically they had a leaky sink in it and it just started leaking out water from it and it went towards the east and the east represented the pagan nations. It was all those filthy sinners that we don't want to hang out with sort of thing. But the water that had life was heading towards the east. But then Pastor Ryan said, well, hey, you know, as we read and you went farther away from the temple, the water got deeper, in fact, it got to ankle deep, and then it got to knee deep. And I'm not going to show you my legs like he did last week. And if you missed that, I'm sorry. You should have been here. <laughs> not going to do it. But uh, he, he, uh, he went to his knees, and then he went to his waist, and he's like, the, the river was so deep that you could swim in it. And he challenged us to go deeper. Deeper. He challenged us that if we were ankle deep, to go knee deep. And if you were knee deep, to go waist deep. And if you're waist deep, man, there's so much more. But the, this, this river had life in it. And so verse 9, it says, there will be swarms of living things wherever the water Of this river flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea, for its waters will become fresh. Life will flourish wherever this water flows. And so he gave us, Pastor Ryan gave us this wonderful visual and just really challenged us, bless you, just challenged us to go deeper in our walk. And I was, I feel like I'm pretty deep. I just, that's the season that I'm in right now, but I'm challenged to go deeper. And and I hope today will be dangerous and wanting to go deeper. And so I want to read a scripture verse uh, to you from the book of Hebrews, uh, starting at verse 1. And it says, uh, so we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard, or we may drift away from it. So today is going to be a conversation with the church family. This is... If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, if you, if you call yourself a disciple of Jesus, and if you're a guest, like you're trying to figure out this whole Jesus thing, like you pick the best weekend to be here because like you get the week off. Like this, this, this is for the church family. This is for people who call themselves followers of Jesus. And as followers of Jesus, we have to be careful that we don't drift away. And to illustrate this point, I want to be like Jesus because Jesus is awesome. And he told parables, which are stories to help us understand spiritual things. And I want to do my best to to share a parable with you this morning. And it's, it's about Rodney, Mississippi. Out of curiosity, how many people have been to Rodney, Mississippi? I'd be really surprised if I saw a single hand this morning. You'll understand why here in just a couple of minutes. So Rodney, Mississippi uh, was a town that's literally on right next to the Mississippi River. And in fact, in the 1800s, it started to grow like crazy because of how easy it was to travel up and down the Mississippi River. And businesses started to come, schools started coming in, churches started coming in. It started growing like crazy. It was like a weed. It just grew up. And then, in fact, it almost became the capital of the entire state. It it missed it by three votes. It almost became the capital of the entire state. But if you go to Rodney, Mississippi today, it's a ghost town. There's, There's nothing there. In fact, this is an old factory where they used to make bricks. And, and this was a, a, a store and a pharmacy in Rodney, Mississippi. And here's one of uh, the church buildings. Now, if your eyesight's really good and you look at the upper windows right now, above the center window, there's a cannonball stuck in the wall. There was a famous battle in the Civil War that happened in Rodney, Mississippi. So the Union soldiers, they had these battleships that traveled up and down the Mississippi River. Like they had cannons and guns and all this stuff on there and they, they docked or ported, I, I'm not a boat person so you can tell me what the proper terminology is after service, but they docked their battleship uh, in Rodney, Mississippi and as the legend has it and as story has it, some of the officers got off the boat and they went into this church and they attended the worship service but the Confederates heard about this and they surrounded the church. In fact, there was a little skirmish and there was a little bit of a gun battle. So the, the, the officers that were still on the battleship heard what had happened and shot a cannonball at the church. And it's still stuck in the side of the building because the boat was only 300 yards away from the city. Like that, that's how close the city was. Everything was built on the river. But this is how you get to Rodney, Mississippi today. It's just this little dirt road. And I think there's a lot that we can learn from Rodney, Mississippi. You're know, like, well, Brandon, what's there to learn? I, like, why aren't people there? How, how was it so big, almost the capital of the entire state, and now there's nothing there? So it was, it was uh, the city that was so full of life was built on the river And as silt and debris began to build up on this curve of the river, it actually changed the direction of the Mississippi River. It's hard for me to understand this. It just just happened over time, and slowly but surely, the the river got farther away from the town. And as the the town got farther away from the river, businesses started to close. The schools started to close. (laughs) the churches started to close because the city was getting farther and farther away from this river. And so now it's a a ghost town. And I think a a really cool lesson that we can learn from this is that if we get away from the river, we get away from life. Now, Now go back to Ezekiel. Remember that stream? But I think a lot of times we maybe we've struggled with this that we've allowed silt and debris to come into our life and now that river and all that river represents is god's presence his holy spirit in our life that's where the life is but if we allow this debris and the, and silt to come into our life and it's easy to pick on drugs and alcohol Like it's easy to pick on those things. Like if we allowed the drugs or the alcohol in our life to rob us from God's presence in our life. What about emotional hurts, baggage and hangups that that we need to find freedom from? Maybe we have some daddy hurts that we just, we haven't gone there and found freedom. And so now there's this silt and debris that's in our life and and we, we seem really far from the presence of God. And maybe for some of us, we even have some mommy hurts that we just haven't dealt with. Or we're trying to pursue our career. We're trying to go up the corporate ladder and we're pursuing that more and more. But instead, we've lost sight of the river. We've lost sight of God's presence in our life. Or we're trying to build up that nest egg to have that security. God's the only one that's going to give us the security. Someone better amen that. Now, I'm not saying don't be a good steward of what God has blessed you with. I'm not saying that. Don't be careless. But are we pursuing these other things instead of pursuing the presence of God? I mean, we just invited him here this morning through some of those songs that we just sang. I love the book of Psalms. I love these prayers. I love these hymns that are in there. And in Psalms uh, chapter 1, Starting uh, at verse two, um, it says, instead his delight is in the Lord's instructions and he meditates on it. All that word meditate means is thinking with intent. Just putting actual thought into it, meditating on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in season and its leaves do not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Do we feel like that? Do you feel like that? Do you feel like you're a tree planted by this living stream that is just so full of life? Or do we feel like we're really far away from the river right now? And maybe, maybe you've been doing the church thing for a really long time. Maybe, maybe you've grown up in the church your entire life. And maybe you had the faith like a child and you prayed a prayer in your childhood and you've just been going to church all your life and the drugs and the alcohol. Like you had great parents. Maybe none of those things have been an issue. But maybe even right now in this moment, you're sensing you're far from the river. And the river is full of life. And it's not your fault. It's not your fault. But what does it look like to to dig up that silt and that debris and to get back towards that river. That's what revival is. Like the revival, revival is just stirring this up in our soul. We think of revival and we think of long church services or we think the church needs revival. That's incorrect. The revival starts with you and God and myself and with God. It's an individual thing. That's what revival is. Revival isn't this thing out there. Revival starts right here with you and your own personal relationship with God. So let's define what revival is. Revival is an improvement in the condition or the strength in something to recover, to rally, an upturn, an upswing. And maybe for some of us, it's a reintroduction or a restoration. And maybe some of us need a resurrection here this morning. I want to speak to the older generation in the room. And I mean that to anybody over 50 because I'm turning 40 this year. <laughs> <laughs> so I just lumped a lot of people into that group. We we need you. We need you older generation. Don't check out. We need your life experiences. We need the wisdom from those experiences and what you've learned. We need you, older generation. We need you to pour into us, young people. We need to learn from the mistakes or maybe even some of the celebrations that have happened in your life. We learn from those things. And so, older generation, hear me on this, hear my heart. This is the whole ironing, sharpening iron. Proverbs 27, 17 is, As iron sharpens iron, one person sharpens another. So hear that. There's a little bit of friction right here. It needs to happen, but we become sharp and God is going to use a sharp tool, not a dull one. We need you. So what does it look like for you to have a revival in your life? What does that look like? I want to share a quote from John Wesley. He was just a little preacher man, but man, he, whew, he was a passionate guy. In fact, that's where we get our Wesleyan denomination is from John Wesley, and I want to share some words of wisdom, but you can't, you can't not read this with passion. Like, you cannot read this in a monotone voice. I think it's impossible. John Wesley says, my fear is not that our great movement known as the Methodist will eventually cease to exist or one day die from the earth. This is what his fear is. My fear is that our people will become content to live without the fire, the power, the excitement, the supernatural element that makes us great. That's my fear as well, church. And I think we are a church that wants more of God. I think there's... Hundreds of people that have come here. We're celebrating 732 salvations since 2015. Lives are being transformed. But what about us Christians? Are our lives being transformed? Or are we ready for a revival in our lives? Revival raises the esteem of Jesus. And so as we have a personal revival within our own walk, it can't help but to rub off onto other people. As we begin to build in this relationship with Jesus, it begins to spill out onto other people. So Brandon, how do we how do we activate this? How do we activate this revival? Like something about it makes sense. And, and maybe I've 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 the river is far away. It starts with a really churchy word, and I wish I had a better word. But it means repentance. I mean, I'm, I'm willing to go on a limb that no one used the word repentance this week. Like, the only time that I did was because I was preparing for the message today. <laughs> repentance simply means changing direction. And a revival will start with repentance. And maybe we've just been stuck in this rut for so long. A revival is going to spark something in our lives where we just can't shut up about Jesus because he keeps doing so many things in our lives that we can't sit in a church service and sleep because we're so on fire for God. We don't just come to the church service to come to the church service. We come here because we want to experience the presence of God in our lives. Out of curiosity, how many people love to grill, or at least eat the food off a of grill? Oh, dang. You could have amen that. I've been all right with that. So we all know that charcoal grilling is better than gas grilling, right? Like, we can agree on that. But I'm lazy, so I have a gas grill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, I love charcoal grilling. I used to have a really nice uh, Weber charcoal grill. And, you know, it takes time because you got to get the coals out. you got to make sure they stay dry. You get them piled up unless you got one of those chimney things. I, I was never that fancy. But I had to pile them up, and you put some fluid on there. And then you would just start off with like this small little match. And the coals would begin to, to catch on one another. And then that flame, it, it would start off really small, but then it would begin to build. And then the coals started turning white, and they got super hot. And then you'd go get all that nice meat that you have been marinating and seasoning, and you'd put it on that grill, and you'd just have an awesome meal. Revival is like a charcoal grill. Revival is when Jesus is lifted up in your own personal walk and you begin to rub off on these other coals. And when all those coals come together, we're burning hot. We're being radiant. We're being a church. Come on now. Now, if I was to take one of those coals and take it out of the grill, what happens? It dies. It dwindles away. It's not on fire anymore. That's why we do church. That's why we come here, to be spurred on and encouraged, to have that ironing, sharpening, ironing thing. But we're not here for us. We're here for the people out there. And that's where the revival sparks is in our own lives when we realize this Jesus thing is awesome, but it's not for me, it's for other people. That's what this personal revival is. And we come here and we get sparked and that flame begins to grow in our life. And then we begin to rub elbows with other people. And before you know it, we have a big flame. Now, there's a wonderful example of this in repentance. And it's King David. You know, the guy that took out Goliath. He became king. He was an adulterer, a murderer. But he repented of those things. He saw Besida just sitting there bathing, and he wanted her. He fell into his flesh. She became pregnant. He tries to cover it up, sends her husband away. He gets killed on the front lines, and he realized that that was wrong. He, He sought out God and asked for forgiveness of those things, and he repented of it. And now we don't celebrate David as a murderer or an adulterer. We, we celebrate him as a man after God. That's how we know David. And in Psalms, uh, he writes, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. David got it in spite of his weakness. He repented. He said, God... Restore to me. Remind me of how I started my relationship with you. He continued to write. He said, create in me a clean heart, oh God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Put that deep within inside my belly. Put it so deep within me. This idea of repentance is through the entire Bible. And if we're going to call ourselves followers of Jesus... Are we going to humble ourselves in repentance when we need to? I mean, John the Baptist, he came on the scene and he preached about repenting and and get baptized. And then Jesus comes on the scene and he does the same exact teaching. So in Mark chapter 1 verse 15, I really, man, you could scuba dive on this, trust me. Like if you've gone through next steps, you know this verse. We've scuba dived on this. We don't have time today. But Mark chapter 1 verse 15, Jesus says, "Uh, The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Do you know that the kingdom of God is near right now here in this moment? And Jesus says, repent of your sins and believe the good news. He says, change direction. Believe me, the kingdom of God is near and I want to do something with you. Now that is a dangerous prayer. That is a dangerous prayer. The only way that we're going to activate this revival is through repentance.